Welcome to Books, Bars, and Booze. This is your host, Jamie. And I'm Monica. Hello, hello. Hello, friends. And we are back with our last installment, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Woohoo! Oh, yes. My favorite. I hate finishing them, but then I can read them again next year. <laughs> so why don't you give us a quick recap of where <clears throat> we're at? Well, um... This is this is the dramatic conclusion, and it's basically about um, you know Frodo's quest to destroy the ring and his battle with the ring, and how it um, you know tries to overcome him, and it gets harder and harder the closer he gets to his destination, and then also about you know Aragorn stepping into his power as the king and being a just and good ruler for everyone in middle earth and yeah the king of all men yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so frodo and sam are trying to sneak in and they said um they're gonna create this huge distraction with this big battle which and is that's which is pretty cool because they have no idea that um, Frodo and Sam, if they're even alive. Right, the question that they ask, I'm like, are they alive? I feel in my heart they're alive. Yeah. We would know if they weren't alive, like, right? It would be worse, right? <laughs> and and I think that is a great idea that they're like, well, we'll, we'll draw Sauron's eye of attention on us. That way they can sneak in and in that way we'll help them. And they go to this battle that they have no hope of winning. Right. Yeah. It was so sad. I, I was all emotional. I don't usually like battles. <laughs> I don't either. The battle um the battles in this book though are different. <laughs> I don't know why. They're just more noble, I guess. I don't know. I I guess so. So we have more questions issued from the publisher. Mm-hmm. And the first question is how are Gandalf's power, wisdom, and majesty manifested throughout the novel? How and with what consequences does he apply his powers and his relationships with the various other residents of Middle-earth? Hmm. Well, for this one, I think Gandalf's main purpose and power is to like ignite the fire of the hearts of the people of Middle-earth to go against evil. So mostly he just kind of finagles people into the right places and with the right people and encourages them to do things that not anything that's against their nature it's like he he kindles their bravery that they maybe already have or helps them see the best selves that they could be exactly and i think he does he is quite a bit more like really powerful than we could even guess but that's not really his purpose in Middle Earth. It's like Loki. Yeah. Right. He's like a guide. <laughs> <clears throat> How would you characterize the relationship between Faramir and his father, Denethor? What causes Denethor to be so critical of his son? Oh, I know exactly what I want to say to this one. I'm oh, curious good. what you think, though. Oh, you know... I feel like he's the second son, so he's always not going to be as good as the first. And it's sort of like, you're not my first choice, and you can never live up to the myth of your brother now. That is definitely true. Boromir is, like, just this... So fantastic. Yeah, he's 
guy ever. Yeah, he's the popular, you know, football quarterback. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody loves him. But what I found interesting is that Faramir is most like Denethor. Mm. Boromir is not like Denethor at all. Denethor Mm -hmm. has a lot of that Numenorean blood. So, and he's um, very smart and learned in lore. And so is Faramir. Where Boromir could care less. He's just all about battles and glory and And winning and... She had three arrows and she was still killing people. Right. (laughs) Right. And I think it's, um, I think it's really Denethor, like, seeing parts of himself that he doesn't like in Faramir and seeing Boromir as somebody that he wish he would have been more like. Ah, yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that's something that a lot of parents struggle with. Yeah. Like, oh, that part of my kid that annoys me is just like me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Eowyn protests to Aragorn. All your words are but to say you are a woman and your part is in the house. What do Eowyn and Aragorn's opposing views of a woman's duty and roles? What are they? Well, I read this the entirely wrong way. I went back and reread <laughs> this book, um, the section that it was talking about, and it doesn't really read as opposing views of a woman's duty, but that Eowyn was charged with protecting and leading the women and children of her people. And Aragorn says to her, if you had not been chosen, then some marshal or captain would have been set in the same place and he could not have re- he could not ride away from his charge were he weary of it or no. So I think it's more of a question of this is her duty, not her duty as a woman, but oh, I think she is in that role because she is a woman. That if she hadn't been a woman, she would have been able to ride out with all the guys. Oh, yeah, I see that kind of, but although he said if she hadn't done it, some other captain or marshal would have done it. Right. I mean, like, if she didn't exist, if she wasn't born, it would have been somebody, you know, some marshal, some captain that would have done it. Or if she had been a man, it would have been somebody else who would have done it. But because she was there and she was a woman, they're like, yeah, we just need you to kind of lead all the ladies away. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, poor Eowyn. She is, um, she ends up being, you know, quite honorable i guess as a shield maiden but she does have to sneak away to do it that is true yeah i really enjoyed her i mean like Mm -hmm. there's bits of the movie that kind of ticked me off but we can talk about that later or we can talk about now okay like we'll talk about now okay i didn't get that whole like oh he's so handsome and her dad be like oh yeah hook up with him vibe from the book at all that was very blatant in the movie and i was like what yeah, I think she does definitely, um, she does love him. Right. You know, and just like she wants to go with when he's riding the path of the dead and, you know, he won't let her go or whatever. But she, and that's what she says is, well, they go with you because they love you. And, but yeah, it is a little bit more blatant, I guess, in the movie yeah. than in the books. Yeah. Uh, I was... I love it when he goes and says, like, hey, come with me and I'll go ahead and forgive you all your sins and let you just go on from your 
our little ghosty lives here. <laughs> I know. I like that part, too. <laughs> I was like, ooh, look at him. He is quite the orator. Mm-hmm. Okay, question four. Why might all great lords, if they are wise, use others as their weapons, as Denethor notes? What instances do you find in Lord of the Rings than our world of leaders using others to obtain their ends? Oh, I mean... That's a very political... It is a very <laughs> political question. I mean, you just think of of Sauron, who's breeding the Urukai to, um, you know, fight his battles for him. and But, you know, I'm sure both sides do it also. I guess you could even say, like, Gandalf and... Um, sent Frodo on his quest, you know, knowing right. that he wouldn't go with him to the end. I guess it's, that is kind of what being a leader is. Delegating <laughs> and, yeah. and using people's skills and potential to the fullest for the common goal. Right. Good or bad. Yeah. I don't want to speak to the real world because I feel like it's a lot uglier than in the book. I think in the book it's a little more cut and dry. We've got good yeah. and evil. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. Yeah. in the world it's a little a little more complicated, I guess. <laughs> yeah, very. Yeah. How would you describe the joy of battle that comes upon Gorham? I I'm not sure I pronounced that right. As they advance um, the siege menace Tirith, what other instances of it occur in the novel? What might be the consequences of giving oneself up to the joy of battle? I didn't get this one. Yeah, I read that part. And to me, so like the Rohirrim, they're like, you know, feeling all proud and like they're doing a just cause and they're like, woohoo, and they get that. I've heard of that before, that battle you just yeah you're really into it and you know you're fighting this just cause and you're winning and i would say um you know i can't think of other instances of it in the book other than the characters like we talked about before doing things that they know might be futile but because it's the honorable type of thing to do so <clears throat> you know i think you and i are a little too much squeamish about violence to really understand that <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 like I don't get it it's more of like a it's more of like this uh fanatical like belief and getting swept up in the moment and that would be the only way you could find joy in something like that yeah, I was thinking of um the Vikings when they talk about berserkers <clears throat> yeah that's what I was kind of thinking of and I was like I don't get it mm -hmm. like I don't, I don't get it I don't know yeah all right so, question six. Seeing the dead porter at the closed door, Gandalf exclaims of the enemy, Such evil deeds he loves. Friend at war with friend. Loyalty divided in a confusion of hearts. Page 833. What other deeds and estrangements does enemy love, and how does each serve Sauron's purposes? Oh, He's just a stinky slimy guy. Ugh. Yeah, Sauron's main weapon is fear. And that fear and and hatred and that pitting friend against friend, it's all this sneaky corruption 
of so just as Gandalf brings out the best in people, Sauron's intention is to bring out the worst in people. Mm-hmm. To I corrupt feel. their hearts. Yeah. Like that oh, that little nugget of yeah, maybe and he's like, I will latch on to it and I will grow it and then you will do my evil deeds. Yeah. <clears throat> Morning Theoden in the House of Healing. Mary apologizes for her sarcasm by saying but it is the way of my people to use light words at such times and say less than they mean. We fear to say too much. It robs us of the right words when a justice out of place. What does he mean? And what other serious moments do the Hobbit engage in humor? Well, I thought this part was funny because um, he was talking about, um, you know, he doesn't think he has his pack and he's trying to get Aragorn to get him some long bottom leaf to smoke. And Aragorn the whole time sees his pack is right there by the bed, you know, but he's messing with Mary right back. And I think Aragorn says um, that he knows and that's why he just that way too with him because he knows how the hobbits are. And I think that's just really, I think that's just really cool how at the beginning, Aragorn, I think was a little more serious you know and then as he goes through all this with the hobbits then he gets a lot more close to them and um you know is he's definitely their friend and not just the ranger who's protecting the shire right yeah and i don't know the hobbits are funny off and on during the whole thing (laughs) um i love mary and pippin together they're they crack me up me too yeah they were the best All right, let's see. Um, I think that's it on our questions, isn't it? Or uh, is there another page? No. There, oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a whole bunch more. Oh, yeah. Um, so, uh, okay. It is best to love first what you are fitted to love, I suppose, is Mary. You must start somewhere and have some roots. How is this true of the hobbits and others? Oh, so, like, they start off in the Shire, and they start off with, this is our world and this is who we are. And then they go on their, their quest and they grow so much and they learn so much and they develop so much. It's, but uh, they ultimately, they bring that all back home too. Yeah. And, and make their home even better. (laughs) So number nine, speaking of the orcs, Frodo tells Sam, the shadow that bred them can only mock. It cannot make not real new things of its own. Oh, this is one of my favorite things. Why is it significant that while good can create real new things, evil can merely counterfeit or mock creation? I'm like, I, I just, I love that theme yeah. of the book where bad can't really make anything new. It's just sort of like, oh yeah, I'm, I got my army of orcs and I'm grinding out, but I'm like, they're nothing new. I'm just, I'm just sort of like making a mockery of what already exists. Yeah. They corrupted, um, elves by torture and horrible things. And even I think, um, if I'm remembering correctly, even things like the Ents have been corrupted by Sauron and, you know, he corrupts everything he can get his hands on and turns it to his own will but it's not like he can make anything new no yeah and that's that whole 
creation um, because, yeah, I don't know. It's a big overwhelming theme and perhaps my brain is not ready to tackle that right now because <laughs> my thoughts keep drifting away <laughs> like little clouds. <laughs> That's fine. Yes. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> so um, we can skip that one. Oh, ah, uh, yes. What does Gandalf mean when he tells the hobbits that they must settle the affairs of the Shire themselves? In what ways have they been trained to just that task, according to Gandalf? In what ways have they grown indeed very high? <laughs> oh, I love that part when they, I, it's too bad that they didn't have, the Shire was like all fine when they came back in the movie, which I can see because the movie it's was so movie. long yeah. and, you know, that's why they had to kill Sauron off earlier in the movie than they did in the book. But really, Sauron corrupts the Shire, mostly out of spite and evil. Yeah, he's like, what are these things? Yeah. Okay, fine. I'm, gonna, I'm pissed off at them. Right. And, and they have changed so much over their year-long quest. And Merry and Pippin, of course, having been drank the Ent water, they're like really tall now. And they're both serve kings as like captains of the guard. And, you know, so they all have faced so much more scary and difficult things in battle that they definitely got this. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, they're like, well, what are you going to do, man? Like, I have seen some stuff. Like, seriously, I'm like, you're not taking me down. I was like, I just laugh. I'm like, the audacity. You don't even know who these people are. My favorite was when the sheriffs were like going to arrest them. Yeah. And then <laughs> they're like... And they're all tired, the sheriffs and foot sore, and they stop and they're like, okay, well, we're going to keep going. You can arrest us when you catch up. <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I was like, what do you mean you're not letting me in? It's me. Let me in. Open the door. I'm like, no, 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 I can't. I'm like, just do it. Okay. So just before Frodo boards the ship in Grey Havens, he says to Sam, it must often be so, Sam, when things are in danger, someone has to give them up, lose them, so that others may keep them. How is this true in the novel in, and in our own lives? Oh, so like, this sort of leads me to one of the things that I hate about the movie. I hate Sam and Frodo's relationship in the movie because like, in the book, it's almost homoerotic. Like, Sam is so far up Frodo's ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mr. Frodo, sir, you're the greatest Mr. Frodo. Mr. Frodo this. And, you know, like, I'll carry you. I'll do this. I'll take care of you. I mean, like, he is so enamored with Mr. Frodo. And in the movie, it's like, there's not that vibe even. There's not that feel. And There is a great oh. love between them. In the books, for sure, that does yeah. not come across. And just like, I think I've said it before, I hate it in the movie that, like, on the stairs, um, before Sheila, you know, Frodo sends Sam away down the stairs. And that like, doesn't no! happen in the book. I'm like, no, wait, I, what? No. Oh, yeah, that was one of the things that made me so angry. I was yeah. like, this is not how it went down. <laughs> yeah, I definitely <laughs> did not like that. No. No. And, you know, it is... 
so Frodo, when he's getting, when he has to leave Middle Earth, I mean, that's like his thing. He was charged with saving the Shire, but he saved it for other people and not for himself because, like I think you've said before, he's like got some major PTSD and nothing is the same for him there anymore. And so it's almost like he's passing the torch over to Sam, I guess. I have a feeling that even though he, you know, defeated the bad guy, that that pierce part of him still ached, even though things were better now. And I was always like, ooh, does this leave something else? Well, the ring had just drug him down so far. I mean, even so far as he wasn't going to destroy it, that right. Gollum had to destroy yeah. it for him, which, you know... Oh, that it, scene in the movie also really pissed me off. I was like, this is not how it goes down. Bro, it can't be the nine-finger man <laughs> in the movie this way. <laughs> what kind of songs is this going to be? <laughs> yeah, it's just, you know, I don't know. I feel like it doesn't really make Frodo any less of a hero. I think the whole point of it is that Everybody else who could have taken the ring would have been corrupted immediately. Like, Boromir hadn't even taken the ring, didn't even have it, and he was, was already just, getting corrupted. Right, he was just in the presence of yeah. it, and was like, we should use it! And Frodo carried it so long, and it was such a burden and a weight that it was one that he could never recover from. Sam could barely stand up Yeah, when he put the chain around his neck he was like oh my gosh i'm stuck here on the floor how does mr frodo walk around with this thing yeah yeah very intense so the last question i have is what kind of wives do you think sam and rosie mary and pippin have after frodo and gandalf's departure what might be the significance of the novel's ending with sam and rosie enjoying the comfort and love of their new home i think you answered that yeah, and there's a lot more, like, in the appendixes and stuff. I know that Sam and Rosie's daughter, Eleanor, she becomes a handmaiden to Queen Arwen. Um, and then Mary and Pippin, you know, they lead their own people in their own ways, too. They make sure a lot of the stories and the lore is written down and preserved. Um, I think, basically, they just... They go on... With their happily ever after in the Shire, but they don't take it for granted anymore like they used to. Like they used to live in their ignorant bliss. Yeah. They didn't realize that they were being protected and they just thought this was how it was, which that's how it should be. And I think I think that does translate well into our own world. Like people should have a safe place to live and plenty of food to eat and have fun with their friends and their family and, you know, not have to worry about it. But that's not really a reality in most places. <laughs> right. I, I think that would also translate as like family units even too. like kids should be able to grow up and have a safe place and not have to worry about things. And then when they become adults, they're like, oh, man, that I had it so nice. None of this sucks. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that blissful ignorance <laughs> of childhood and hobbits. <laughs> yeah. Adulthood sucks. Zero stars. Do not recommend. Oh, yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah. And the movie, I mean, I got to admit, I do love the movies. Like, I 
as someone who can't visualize, it enhanced the books for me so much because now I can know what these places look like a little bit. Um, so that there just will always be invaluable to me just for that. So the, the movies came out in 2001, 2002, 2003. And at the time, uh, I was in my 20s. I didn't have kids. And I was just thrilled. I was geeked out about it. I was like, oh, like a year before, I was like to my boyfriend, I'm like, you have to read this book because the movie's coming out in a year and we're going to go see it. So you need to read it now. Okay. So I didn't have as much judgment of the movies then because I was just excited to see it on screen for people to know about it like I had already picked out the name Thorn for one of my children before then you know yeah. like I was like no everyone will know that's <laughs> a good point about the movies is I feel like it did introduce a lot of people to the books who wouldn't have read them otherwise yeah and, you know and there was parts in the movie that would not have made any sense if you hadn't read the books. There was a lot of that. Like, there was just, like, little things thrown in there that I... I was watching it with Thane, and he was like, I don't understand what's happening. And I was like, well, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and it's also true that even the changes that they made, for the most part, with a few exceptions, I mean, obviously they have to make some changes to make it into a, you know reasonably long watchable movie but I really feel like they kept to the spirit of it like certain changes you know I think the dream about that Eowyn says that of the great wave you know that's overtaking or whatever I think in the book that that's Faramir's dream but still they kept the spirit of what was intended in the book and and kept it in the movie so I thought it was great <laughs> I, I liked how it yeah, um, sort of mainstreamed the novels. I mean, like, I read them in middle school the first time, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And um, in my 20s, when I reread them, I was just like, my God, all the violence. <laughs> the violence to me in this book doesn't... Um... I didn't remember any of it, though. Like, yeah. From middle school, I was just like, huh, I didn't remember any of this. I'm like, there's a lot of battles going on. There's a lot of blood happening. And I'm like, huh. <laughs> I will admit that it took me probably two or three readings before I fully appreciated the books. Like, the first time through, I probably didn't have any kind of, like, I didn't probably understand it. I guess you could say, like, oh, that was really good, but, like, really the depth of it, it took me a few reads. Yeah. And I get something new out of it every time I read the books. It's crazy. <laughs> I, I I love the the story so much that I have, I have a hard copy book of it, hardback cover. I have soft backs of individual ones. I have all of them as ebooks <laughs> and as audiobooks, so... I'm like, give me all the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, when you said that um, about the series, TV series coming oh. out on Amazon Prime, I was like, oh, I can't wait until September. That's crazy. <laughs> I know. And people are talking bad about it kind of already. But I'm like, look, people, this is just more that we get to see and experience, you know, 
And you got to give it the benefit of the doubt before it even comes out. I'll be watching it and I'm rooting for it to be amazing. And even if it is a little different or they take some liberties, you know, so be it. As long as it's, that's the world come to life, you know. And it'll be bringing the Samarillion mainstream yes. for yes. people. So exactly. I'm, I'm pretty excited about it too. Yeah. Geek on. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any parting words before we wrap up? I think that pretty much about covers it. Basically, we just are in love with the books. <laughs> and also the movies. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, thanks everyone for listening. Yeah. And we will see you again next month. Bye. To the loose.